Hey guys, welcome back again to another Cut Light and Smoke podcast without the music because JB is in the other room and our internet is down, but I have a special guest for you today. Vic the High Desert Man is in the studio right now. He's rocking his... Look at, look at the hat, dude. The hat's there. The beard's on man. point. Everything is looking good, and he brought me a special cigar. Ironically enough, uh, Crown Heads was here. Miguel from Crown Heads and uh, their rep from Arizona was here just Friday, and uh, we will be bringing them in, and I'm we're excited about that, but you brought me a special gift today didn't you i did yeah I did. yeah yeah so and, uh, so tell us a little about the cigar i'm gonna hold the cigar up for people so they can see what it is this is what is the cigar called again exactly this is the lavareda lavareda and it is uh it's crown head's latest uh regular release okay. regular production cigar okay it is also their most expensive cigar they've ever put out okay yeah um and it's a fairly pricey cigar i mean okay. I, I think it goes anywhere from about 18 to 22 bucks uh wow depending on the size and stuff but wow okay uh, okay but i everyone who knows the high desert man yes knows that i'm a crown heads man you're a crown heads freak i'm, I'm representing you're, you're a little bit freak i'm you're a little always bit representing freak. crown heads i'm just saying dude you you, you and huber <laughs> like that man you and huber like that john i love you i think you're a great guy but you know i, I haven't really talked to you in a long time so call your boy and we'll, we'll, we'll hang out sometime but i know you and vic are tight so i'm super vic, yeah. stoked to hear that you're gonna be i know right stuff yeah i'll, I'll yeah, have yeah. a place I, I, in, you know what I, in town to get them i have to simply because like i smoked them and they're very very good and i thought the price points for what i want to get are very very good as well i think you can i think crown heads does offer a real value mm -hmm. to people that are that's really good and when you have a a great value in the cigar. I definitely want to be a part of that, you know, that cigar's journey in particular. Yeah. So uh, now, not to mention that, but Miguel, uh, the national sales rep, at, we had a great conversation and the dude's from Cincinnati, Ohio. So he might be in Florida now. Wrong, I, might, huh? I might be in Arizona, but, you know, we're a bunch of Ohio Cincinnati boys and uh, we're very, very excited for uh, for what's going on. So you can watch watch more for Crown Heads and I'm very excited about that. I just can't wait to, to talk to you more about that. But uh, we're going to be talking, we're going to be smoking these cigars and I mean, you brought the cigar to the guy that's going to tell you the, the the darndest truth about it so i hope it's a I hope it's a good cigar because if i'm not <laughs> impressed i'll let you know uh but you're gonna like this I I, I'm, I'm excited i'm excited i really am so we're talking about something today which which might be interesting for the podcast in particular because we're talking about something that doesn't get talked a lot about in guy circles particularly because it, it has to do with guy health issues and we're talking about the big c and that being cancer and so we're talking about cancer today, and one, in particular, one type of cancer. Now, there's lots of different types of cancers. Uh, to be quite frank with you, I am not very, I'm not super educated. I've had, I've had multiple friends of mine pass away from cancer and what have you, but I'm not super educated on cancer. I've never been through cancer myself, nor has anybody in my family uh, mm. that I know of really been, been you know, suffer from cancer that I, that I know of, particularly in my immediate family and in my extended family. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Uh, with that said, Vic is going to be taking us down this journey, guys. It's very important for you to listen and apply some of the things we're talking about because uh, this is one of those things that when we hear it, it scares us. And so we turn off podcasts like this or we, we ignore it or we say, no, 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 or it's a conspiracy. It's not. And so what we're doing today is we're going down the right, going down the road of making sure that you are prepared as a man who enjoys cigars and maybe a, maybe a drink once in a while for preparing your prostate for longevity. Okay. And we're going to talk about what the prostate is and everything. I'm not quite sure what the prostate is completely and everything like that. Vic's going to explain I'll give everything. You all that. He's giving me everything. So at, at this point, uh, we're going to cut light and smoke these cigars. And then Vic is going to start telling us a little bit about his journey because he has a really interesting journey. We spent a good solid half hour on the phone the other day talking about it. Uh, and he's like, I want to come down. I want to do a podcast. I'm like, dude, 
twist my arm, bro. Get Vic in here. Absolutely. Hi, Desert <laughs> Vic. Yeah. So with that said, Vic, take it over and tell us a little about your journey. All right. So I am, uh, I am six weeks post uh, prostate surgery, having my prostate removed. And uh, I, in my family, uh, most of the men have had prostate cancer. Okay. And an interesting fact, uh, or, well, I don't know if I'll say fact, but an interesting mm -hmm. note is that um, the general consensus in the medical community is that 100%, 100% of men will get prostate cancer if they live long enough. Really? So it typically shows up in uh, older, in my family, it's always showed up like 65 and older. I'm 54 years old. I got it real early. Okay. Um, and I caught it real early. Mm-hmm pretty good chance that a lot of my family members had it for quite a while mm -hmm. but either thought it was a, a urinary tract infection or, or just something going on whatever they ignored the symptoms and mm -hmm. stuff and uh they ended up i i had the best possible outcome mm -hmm. a, a guy could want okay uh other members of my family had poor outcomes okay okay so, so one of the things that you said that i, I want to just backtrack to you said some medical professionals are suggesting that 100% of men will have prostate cancer yeah. sometime in their lifetime. Yeah, they, they say if you live long enough. So, uh, and I mean, that's, I guess that kind of goes, if you live long enough, you're going to get something, right? <laughs> you're going to have some kind of issue. But sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so common that they say 100% of men will end up with it eventually. Okay. Okay. Um, now I, I know lots of guys in their seventies who still haven't found out that they have prostate cancer or have any concerns about prostate cancer or anything. So, uh -huh. you know, take it, take it, I guess, with a grain of salt, but sure, sure, um, sure. Okay. But you know, I, uh, my buddy, Steven in, mm -hmm. um, in my PS live group on Tuesday nights, mm -hmm. always likes to say, participate in your own survival. And this is a big for me, this was a big deal. And I'll tell you how this came about. So okay. 2023, mm -hmm. excruciatingly hard year for my wife and I. Okay. In 2022, October of 2022, we found out my wife had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. And that's also when I found out something was going on with me based on my PSA. My, my PSA, which stands for pro prostate-specific antigen. Mm -hmm. That's what they look for in your blood. Um my score was, was high. Okay. Uh, so, and I wasn't too concerned about it because I knew that the previous year I hadn't had anything with my PSA. Sure. And prostate cancer is a very slow growing cancer. So generally men don't have to be, you don't have to fret when you first find out you have it unless you waited for too long because of symptoms or whatever. But, okay. um, anyways, so it, the the w way it kind of came about was my wife went in, got blood work, and they said that she was pre-diabetic. Mm. And we were like, wait a minute, there's no way she's pre-diabetic. We're very active. We mm -hmm. have super healthy diets, blah, blah, blah. Sure. So anyways, my mind went to, well, if she's pre-diabetic, we got the same diet and everything, then I'm pre-diabetic. So I went back in, and, hey, let's get some blood work and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and they said, hey, your PSA is high. Um, the whole pre-diabetic thing wasn't. It was. It was just a a, a 
a false positive based oh. on on her cancer and stuff. So okay. none of that's none of that's factual, none of that was true. Okay, none of that's okay. true. But okay. anyway, so uh, I put off uh, I put off treatment uh, until December of this year because I I had to get I, I you know I had to go once they said hey your PSA is high had to get MRIs and all that kind of stuff and they said yeah you've got uh, looks like you've got prostate cancer then they did a biopsy. I'll talk about this stuff in a minute, but mm-hmm. um, anyways, I, I basically had to put it off until the end of last year, okay? Uh, because you know I live out in the sticks and and I heat the house with firewood. And, yeah, tell uh, people where you, so so Vic, I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, northern Phoenix. Where do you live in re, in relation to me? I'm three hours from you. I'm okay. um, I'm northeast. Okay, and uh, I'm I'm basically between Sholo and Payson, but south in between the two. Okay. Uh, so okay. a real small uh, area, very, very tiny community and stuff. Mm-hmm. Two roads in, a north road and a south road into where I live and stuff, and I, I'm three hours from anything. So, so um, if the world ends, you're okay. You're, uh, you're, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be one of the last men standing. I'm good. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm good. <laughs> okay. So anyways, yeah, I, I, I told the doc, hey, I'm going uh, to put it off until I can uh, cut wood. Now, the reason why I put it off was mm-hmm. because uh, what I'll talk about toward the end is, is uh, recovery. Okay. Uh, there's a recovery period, and I knew I was going to be down, and, and I couldn't take that downtime uh-huh. uh, in, until I was sure I had enough heat for us uh, mm-hmm. all winter and stuff. So that so that's, you cut your own firewood. I, I that cut, you heat your house. house I cut with. the trees down. I process the wood, and, and I stack it, and I do the whole thing myself. So just so, just so everybody understands this, Vic is more of a man than everybody here, both <laughs> at the table and home listening. I guarantee you, there's nobody else out there that probably does what Vic does, where you cut down your own trees. And cut down your own, cut your own firewood and stack it. And he's putting off a medical procedure in order to do that as I, a good man. I, I raise and butcher my own animals. Yeah, too. look at that, dude. Come <laughs> on, man. Come on. That's where it's at, dude. That's where it's at. Well, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. That's cool. So, uh, so yeah. So it, uh, my family has a history of uh, all the men in my family have a history of it. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. It's uh, in fact my cousin uh, when I told him I had prostate cancer. He kind of laughed and he said, "What you thought you were going to get by?" He said, "All of us have had it." Okay, uh, which I didn't know. I, I knew my dad had had it, but okay. I didn't know it was pr- as prolific as it was. But okay. uh, but it was okay. So, anyways, uh, you go in for regular blood work and they say, "Hey, your PSA is high," um, and that's if if you get a full regimen of, of blood work done, that's mm-hmm. something that they check and then they tell the tell the tell you that hey, your PSA is high. Normal is zero. Uh, you should, your, your prostate will produce, uh, prostate specific antigens, mm-hmm. uh, very, very minutely, mm-hmm. uh, naturally. But when it starts climbing, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. Now, a guy can have prostate problematic symptoms that are not cancer, but are what every guy will, will experience is prostate enlargement. Okay. Right. Your your prostate enlarges a little bit. Now the prostate sits over the the you got your bladder. Mm-hmm. And the prostate kind of sits over it like this. It's about the walnut size, and it kind of it kind of kind of fits over it like this. Okay. And and then uh, on on the bottom side, on the top side, it connects to two tendons that are in your pelvis bone. Okay. Okay. So. Um, so, uh, and, and they, 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 I had laparoscopic surgery, so they mm-hmm. went in and, and cut all that out. I'll talk about that stuff because it's pretty amazing what they can do with that stuff. Okay. But, um, 
anyways, so uh, the, my PSA was uh, when it, we first detected it was 6.1 or 6.2, something like that. Mm-hmm. My doctor said, hey, go see a urologist. Let's get some more testing done. Something's going on. Got another test done. Uh, it was 7.4. That was a couple months later. Um, and then, uh, and then they sent me in for an MRI. Okay. MRI, they, they check it out and they, they, they're basically looking for the, the, the lesions or lesions or, or color spots on your prostate, uh, to see, uh, where the cancer is and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, <clears throat> then they do a biopsy. Biopsy is, is not very fun. It doesn't really hurt, although it, it freaks you out a little bit. Um, you go into the doctor's office, you drop your drawers, hike your legs up, uh, you know, kind of go into a fetal position. On your chest? Put your legs to your chest, basically? Well, yeah, t- just kind of up, like okay. like you're laying on your side yeah. and kind of spooning, but n- nobody's there to receive the spoon. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, uh, and the doctor uh, goes up your backside with a, a that would be your anus, gentlemen. Yeah, you're gonna have some some man's fingers in your anus, just so you understand this. Okay, so that's the so he's checking your prostate. Uh, now let me go. Let me talk about the that. So when he, I okay. first went in, the the doctor sticks his finger up there to to uh, check your prostate. Now with regards to where the prostate is with the bladder and everything, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to me that they can feel the prostate up through your tuchus. Yeah, but they can because it's basically in your pelvis or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so he goes up there and they push pretty hard. Uh, and th- they push hard enough that it makes you feel like something's going to happen. Uh, like I'm going to pee myself or, or ejaculate. It's, it just felt very weird. When, that, well, when, I've heard that. I've heard that that's like a, sexually speaking, like that's a, that's a pleasure point for some people. I've heard that okay. before. I've heard that like there's, there's people that, enjoy their prostate being manipulated because it's, it's a pleasure thing. So was it, obviously it's, it's uncomfortable, you know, but well, it, it wasn't really uncomfortable. It, well, yeah, it's, well, first you got some stranger's finger up your butt, right? So right. That, you're not so the that, most relaxed state ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, when he pushed, he pushed on it pretty hard and, and all of a sudden I felt like, Oh, something's going to happen mm-hmm. and nothing did, but yeah. I, I really kind of freaked out. And sure. I, I probably pinched his finger a little bit. Right, 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 right. <laughs> from the pucker factor there, but <laughs> that's great. That's great. I love that you're so open about this and talking about this for educational purposes. This is great. This is I, great, Vic. Yeah. I think this is super important yeah, for absolutely. everyone to know. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So uh, now they put this needle up there when they, when they finally do the biopsy, they put the needle up there and they, Basically, they go across your prostate, and they, in my case, he did 14 samples. And this needle goes up, and you can feel, I can't explain what you can feel, but you can feel like there's, like something's moving up there. Uh, and, and then he grabs a sample, and it's basically a tube that pushes into your prostate, and, and uh, well, imagine a, a uh, punch. A punch. Like a punch. Cutter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He's 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 punch cutting your prostate basically. <laughs> Nobody will use a punch after this. <laughs> Nobody's going to use a punch. <laughs> Nobody, including myself. I'm like I can't get that out of my head now. Vic talked about punches and butts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But go ahead. Yeah. So so they they take the sample. 
So 14 samples, and they kind of go across your, your prostate. And then mm-hmm. uh, they, they – so that's sent in, and then you go back into your doctor later on mm-hmm. and to get the results. And there is a normal, uh, a traditional testing method that, for the life of me, I can't remember the name of it. Mm-hmm. Um, something score. Uh, it, it's something score. I can't remember. But anyways – okay. That that score, uh, and that's that's basically just looking at at the samples through a through a uh, microscope. Sure, sure, okay. And they they rate you between. It, it used to be from one to five, but one and one and two they've pretty much done away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they only really mark or or take measure of anything that's between three and five. And then there's this dual thing that like three four 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 three five whatever. Uh, with, uh, I'm not sure what that means exactly but basically my uh score was low it was it was a three mm-hmm. um but uh, they also did a dna test and the dna test came back as a moderate or medium level of risk for future spread mm. so then there's a third test that they can do which is a genome test and they genomically look at the cells of 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 the cancer and um, now I didn't know this at the time, but but that that genome test is not covered typically by your insurance, uh, and you don't want to find that out after the fact because that was a five thousand dollar bill. Oh wow! Um, but the the getting that test done told me that I'm at a high risk uh, factor of spread. Uh, within a, a period of time. Mm-hmm. Now, guys, uh, all my all my stuff is anecdotal. This is my experience from me living through it and going through it with my family members and sure, and sure. stuff like that. But uh, but I got the genome test and it said it basically it, to put it in layman's terms, it says, uh, look, if you wait on this, there's a there's a high risk that it'll start spreading and it, it'll become an aggressive cancer. Mm-hmm. So, um, so based on that, my, my doctor had told me, he said, look, you, uh, you've got a low, whatever that first score is, a mm-hmm. fairly low score. He said, you can just put it off and wait for five or 10 years and we can keep doing PSA tests every six months and stuff. And mm-hmm. if your PSA starts jacking up, then, you know, we can address it. Um, but the uh and he said you know you go 10 years and then we have to do something well now you're 65 years old instead of 55 or 54 whatever sure Sur- recovery from surgery may be a lot more difficult whatever mm-hmm. i'm super fit super healthy i'm mm-hmm. very active and and all that stuff yeah, so fire whatever they do yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i said look i got cancer in me i want it out of me mm-hmm. so so i want to get this done let's just and i figured i'm at the best recovery point in my life right now right so so let's get it done so i opted to go ahead and have the surgery okay so how what was the surgery like tell me about the surgery real quick because i have a ton of questions that i'm, I'm saving as you're getting through this but i want to i want to ask the you know some some obvious questions here so what what, what is quick, this tell yeah. me what you think of the scar all right. Crown heads. What's this thing called again? Crown heads. This is the Lavareda. Lavareda. Crown heads Lavareda. Um, first off, very good cigar. It is an absolutely great cigar. Um, it's, I, I, 
I, I taste sweet and spicy the whole time I'm I'm I'm, I'm tasting it. Yep. Um, some nuttiness to it and as, the, as and well. And the sweet and spicy for me mm-hmm. is kind of together. It's at yeah. the same time. Oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. It's not something. It doesn't. It's not spicy and then gets sweet. It's sweet and spicy uh, together. Um, this isn't an official cigar review. I'm just kind of give you my thoughts. Um, uh, premium quality taste. Uh, the retrohale at the end and the finish. There's a lot of sweetness and just a slight pepper on the nasal cavity. Mm-hmm. Very, yep. very good. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's really good, man. It's it's not bad at all. Yeah, there's yeah, and, and you expect it with certain Nicaraguan cigars and both both the wrapper and the binder Jalapa. So I expect that like, like the finish of a cigar that is ultra premium, and I would say this is an ultra premium cigar. It's a very good cigar. Very, very good cigar. All the, I don't remember if it's all, it's been a while since I uh, read up on this cigar, but uh, much of the tobacco has been aged. I think, Mm. I think it was either at least three or or four years. It's it's gotta be aged. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, just an exquisite cigar. This cigar is so good. And the draw on this is Great. Yeah, the draw. Every, I mean, draw construction. Everything else is perfect on the cigar. I'll show it to you guys in the camera so you can see it. If you're listening at home, you're obviously not going to see it, but you can watch it on uh, uh, our YouTube channel right look here. Look at that wrapper or that it, uh, label. It's beautiful. That label is gorgeous. Yeah, man. it's, and, and it's the, very beautiful. Look at the oiliness on that. Uh, yeah, it's nice and oily. It, it's beautiful. really. It's a very very good cigar. Well done, John Huber. This is yeah. This is really really nice. So it, it's great. <clears throat> but but tell me about the surgery. So let's let's let's, let's kick it into the surgery a little bit because I'm really I'm dying to know how that went. Okay, so uh, the the surgery. Were you afraid? I gotta admit, I was a little freaked out. Sure, sure, I bet. Yeah. Uh, be, because they they put you full under, and sure. I've I've only been sort of anesthetized, anesthetized, whatever. Anesthetic. <laughs> Whatever that know, word so, is, yeah. you, you've been under before. You've, I, well, you, I've been uh, under once before for uh-huh. a, a, a tooth that they pulled, and that's okay. that. As I understand it, that's sort of a twilight. Yeah, thing they, that they, they call it snow. They call it you kind of in and out of consciousness. Yeah, you, know, you don't really know what's going so on. Th- yeah. This was full out. Okay, which yeah. which is just creepy because the the surgery was four hours long. For mm. me, it was about half a second long. Oh yeah, you go to sleep and you wake yeah, up. I, yeah, I I yeah. went in and went, and when I woke up, I was my wife was sitting next to me. I was in my my room and stuff. My buddy had come in and mm-hmm. and I was coming out of this groggy state and I was like, "Wow, man, it's done." Um, the so the the surgery's really n- not that big of a deal. They keep you in the hospital for one day, one uh, overnight. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard it can be like two or three nights, but typically it's one night. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then they send you home. They and now, here's here's something that my doc my doctor I got the impression from my doctor that he he favors uh, he errs to uh, conservative rather than uh, not conservative with regards to activity and stuff. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. And th- this is one of the big things I wanted to bring up uh, on this show because if mm-hmm. you go online and and do research. Uh, watch videos. Lots of doctors online are saying, uh, you know that that like you'll wear your catheter. You get you have to get a catheter, and uh, you, you get a catheter for uh, you have to wear it for three to four days, and then the catheter comes out. And the first week there's no activity, and then you can sort of start ramping up the activity and stuff. Now that was completely different from what my doctor said. Okay. Now my doctor said. 
absolutely no activity. Do not engage your core for six weeks. And the reason why, and here's why I listened to my doctor, was because the horror stories of if, if you engage your core, you do something, and you end up, what becomes an issue is you, you tear the stitches because they, they cut your urethra in, in this process, which is why you got to have the catheter. They cut your urethra to, to, in order to take the prostate out, and then they, your prostate ends up dropping some, or I think it drops down like this. But anyways, um, then they suture the, the um, urethra back together, and the catheter acts as a support for those stitches. Okay? Now, if you, I'm a big UFC guy. Anytime uh, any of those guys go out for surgery, for, for uh, ACL surgery or shoulder surgery or whatever, sure, sure. whatever it is, there's always six weeks. You always hear six weeks. Yeah, six weeks, yeah. So my doc said, don't do anything for six weeks. On top of that, he's now part of this, uh, he told me to wear my catheter for 13 days. And that sucked. Mm. That absolutely sucked. Yeah. But here's the reason why. Now, part of it's a timing thing. He does most of his surgeries. He's always does surgeries on Wednesdays. He does some on Thursdays and stuff as well. But uh, you, you do it on Wednesday. Uh, if you go to three or, three or four days, you're, you're through the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, but then uh, he he says no no less than seven or eight days. Um, but if you go to seven or eight days for, in his schedule, that puts you into his next surgery. You can't go get your catheter out. And then if it if it comes out just before the weekend and something happens over the weekend, you don't want that. Sure. So because of the way the schedule worked out, mm -hmm. I got my catheter put in on Wednesday. My surgery was on a Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And I got it taken out 13 days later on a Monday. Mm -hmm. um, really, the catheter wasn't so bad the most of that time it was the last it was the last four or five days that just sucked because it irritates the heck out of your penis okay um and, uh, uh, there's a uh, tube up there right there's a tube coming a out your tube that goes up about eight, eight like eight or ten inches something like that um and so remember that the purpose of the tube a is to uh, allow you to pee and stuff but b um to give those stitches support. Now, without going into too much detail or, or, or making it too long or whatever, mm -hmm. if the stitches end up tearing because you did something that you shouldn't have done mm -hmm. and they have to go back in, you're probably looking at a lifetime of incontinence. Explain incontinence for guys who don't know what that means. You can't control your pee, uh, and you have to you have to wear diapers or wear pads or something. There can be different levels of incontinence. I'm incontinent right now mm -hmm. to a, a small degree. Sure. I'm, a, I'm about 97, 98% back okay. to, to full control. Okay, yeah. Uh, but I I have to wear a pad. It's a yeah. very small, very thin pad and stuff, but sure. it's, it's just in case, <laughs> in case I slip a little. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, but... I'm only six weeks out, out mm -hmm. and he said, expect to be, expect to have issues for, they say three months to a year after. And I'm only six weeks out and I'm almost full, full hundred percent back in control and stuff. Do you think that that's because you're, you're such, you're in such good shape, you have a good diet and everything. Let me, let me, I got to ask some questions real quick. So let's do it. So for, first off, um, thank you for 
for telling us all that. Like you had, you had no shame in it. You were like, Hey, this is what happened to me and everything like that. Most guys would never talk about that. They, they wouldn't cause it's embarrassing for most guys. They're like, I'm not going to talk about it. it. It's really cool. And I want to just take a little side note on this. It, it's something really, really genuinely awesome about getting older because you start losing a sense of your um, in, entitlement and your, a sense of your, um, I got to, I got to be cool with everybody. I gotta make sure I'm, I'm looking cool with everybody. You actually want people around you to do well and you want to give them good advice. And I see that happening with you. And obviously we're, we're both believers. We're both Christians as well. And so that, that, that's something that we have uh, very, very well in common. So as a result of that, I think you're doing a really great service to the men out there listening and saying, you know, I mean, being an example of trusting God in the midst of this, you know, the guy, in the doctor's hand, literally by the, you know, the lifeblood that you have right there. So I think that's, that's really huge. So let me ask you, what are the symptoms that, I mean, we, we talked about this off camera a little bit. You said that when, once the symptoms are full blown there, it's almost too late, but what are some symptoms that guys can start thinking through right now? If they're not doing blood work, if they, if they've not done blood work, obviously you got to go get your blood work done. That's something that you're definitely uh, recommending for all, all the guys out there. But if they don't do blood, what are some certain symptoms that they could, they could track and go, yeah, I have that, I have that, I have that. Maybe I should really go get my blood work for regardless of what the age is. And I'm, I'm guessing the age somewhere between 40 to 60 is when most prostate issues arise. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, so uh, my understanding is that typically men will start having a large prostate and possible issues with enlarged prostate starting around 45. Okay. Uh, they don't really, the general... Generally, they, the recommendation is at 50 years old, start getting your regular yearly blood work done and stuff right, to, right, to keep right. an eye on your PSA and, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so symptoms. Uh, now, I will tell you that I had absolutely no symptoms whatsoever. Okay. I had no reason to think I had prostate cancer other than a family history. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, was, I was freaked out. I mean, I'm 54 years old. Mm -hmm. I I, when I went, I just had my blood work done a couple of days ago, mm -hmm. which by the way, my, uh, my PSA before my, my, uh, surgery was, was, uh, in the 6.5 to 7.1 range, mm -hmm. had it tested the other day. It was uh, 0 0.02. Oh, that's awesome, dude. And, uh, and that, you're saying out of 10, that's like out of 10, correct? Or is that, well, no, uh, your PSA, uh, the PSA can go up into a hundred. That's oh, okay. really bad cancer, and, and okay. you're basically screwed. But okay, yeah. but but they consider, I think they consider anything above ten, mm -hmm. pretty high, pretty aggressive, mm -hmm. uh, and stuff. So and that's why I was telling you you could wait, that, that because you're at you're at six or seven. Yep. And he was like, well, maybe we can wait for another ten years. Yep. But if you wait, you know, like you said, you're sixty five. Do you really want to go through surgery at sixty five? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, generally, the symptoms w will be issues with peeing, uh, mm -hmm. getting up. Uh, frequently at night. Mm -hmm. uh, now he, they asked me, "Do you get up frequently at night to pee?" And I said, "Yeah." And, and I said, "But it's it's not because of any issues. It's because I drink a buttload of water. I yeah, drink water we're in constantly. Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Same uh, here. So if, for me, it was always get up, go to the bathroom, and I had no issues. <clears throat> mm -hmm. So generally, a guy will feel like he's got to go to the bathroom and uh, go to the bathroom and has problems getting it started it he has to go but but he can't get the stream going hmm. or uh he pees but feels like he can't empty his bladder i've heard that before yeah. uh you know it gets gets done with what he can get done and and 
uh, you know, a few minutes later feels like, gosh, dang it, I, I have to pee still. I, I have mm-hmm. to pee again or whatever. Anyways, they can't empty their bladder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now, I wasn't really clear on this, but I got the impression also, uh, based on questions my doctor asked me, that uh, erectile issues can come up. Okay. Uh, which I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I... Did, did you use anything prior to that? Like, if, if you if you felt like you're having erectile issues, mm-hmm. did you didn't use any like? No, uh, because I had Viagra just noticed like it. That? Yeah, okay. I okay, just yeah. noticed it. I okay. I, I uh, listen. I I decided when you know, coming on this show, I was gonna, I was going to lay it out there. I appreciate it, dude. You're you're, you're super <laughs> transparent about it. I, I would so, be like, uh, well, um, that's a little yeah. private. Uh, you're just getting it, dude. I I love it. Go ahead. So yeah. I yeah. I I had a, a couple times uh, trying to. Uh, get jiggy with my wife mm-hmm. and and uh i i couldn't get things going yeah yeah okay and and it messes with you it's oh, you know it's yeah. a guy's thing and, and i mm-hmm. was like gosh darn it what's going on mm-hmm. um so that was one of the questions my doctor asked me you're having any erectile issues and i said well yeah i just started it seems like i just started mm-hmm. um so now Honestly, maybe I had had the issues longer, and I didn't know. Remember, through 23, my wife was going through chemo treatments sure. and everything. And sure, so sure. We weren't doing much anyways. Right, right. Um, but um, but so uh, erectile issues and uh, and more frequently, it's it's problems peeing, some kind of mm-hmm. problem with, with peeing and stuff. Okay. But you can that can also just mean you have an enlarged prostate, but mm-hmm. not cancer. Sure. And there's things that they can do. There's there's this thing that they can do that, that basically grips your prostate and opens it up off the urethra tube so that you can pee and everything. And okay. it, I can't remember what it's called, Uriclip or something like that. I, I've seen I've seen a lot of supplements out there currently, you know, that, that, that treat that salt palmetto, things like that, that treat the enlarged prostate or something like that is, is are those helpful they talk about that at all okay or? so uh, a good uh, i'm 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 on uh gnc mega men's mm-hmm. um daily multivitamin it's just a standard multivitamin i'm, I'm on yeah. the sport one they have a they have a they have a few different ones but gnc mega uh, mega men's um promotes prostate health okay um and so and most um I think most men's some form of salt palmetto or I used to take salt palmetto at one point before. I, I don't know if I told you this, but before I, uh, before I started losing weight and got on the carnivore diet and everything else like that, I, my diet was horrible and I would just eat whatever fast food burgers, pizza, whatever else like that. Uh, about six months ago, my wife was diagnosed. Well, she, my wife had been sick for a very long time. I think I talked to you about that. that See if that would help. That really helped her. It really helped me. I dropped like sixty pounds now, and it's been great. Yeah, dude, you it, look great. Yeah, man. it's been it's, it's been fun. It's been really fun. So the my all my joints are better. My knee. I'm gonna have to have surgery on my knee. I still have to have surgery on because I have a bone fragment in there from a, mm. a, a car crash I was in a while back. So, um, but I I will I will absolutely uh, say I used to take some of the Saul Palmetto stuff, and when I did take it. Before I was ever on the diet or anything else like that, um, I was I had all the symptoms you're talking about. Like I was peeing like crazy at night. Um, I thought I was pre-diabetic to be honest with you because I would drink and not okay. be satiated, drink water like crazy, and always oh, feel yeah. like I was thirsty. Like I was just constantly drinking water and I okay. couldn't I couldn't satiate. And that's that's pre-diabetic probably, and I probably was. Um, and so as a result of that, once everything, the last eight months, I mean, we've been on this diet I think seven months now, and I'm 
I have none of those symptoms. I, I sleep three. I pee like five o'clock in the morning every every time I get up. Like yeah. I get up in the morning yeah. and pee. It's like any guy gets up and pees. Um, so I will definitely say, like when you told me some of these things, I was like, yeah, I could have. Maybe I definitely need to get my blood work done because that's and I'm I'm one year away from fifty. I mean, well, I'm forty nine now, so in July I'll be fifty. So I plan on like June, July going to get the blood work done and checking all this stuff out. So, okay. um, but what are the symptoms you do you see for guys that 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 are occurring? Um, well, getting back to the erection thing, mm. I, uh, something that I had noticed and mm -hmm. I I hadn't really I hadn't really uh, put it together or whatever, but. Uh, I mean, most guys typically wake up in the morning with uh, what I call a, a pee hard on, right? <laughs> it's, caught, the, get, caught the caught morning wood, morning wood, morning wood. Yeah, you yeah. got you got you got you got to bend over to go to the bathroom. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're sticking out. You're out of tension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I I no, I started noticing. Uh, I'm waking up in the morning and and I don't have that. Mm, and okay. I, and it, for me, it felt like it was pretty abrupt. Like I, I was getting up every morning. I'd sit down and lean forward, you know, so yeah, I could get yeah. into the toilet and sure. stuff. And and uh, and then I wasn't doing that anymore. And I was like, uh, okay, this is weird. What's going on here? Sure. Um, so I, you know, take it for what it's worth. But but uh, how, how much of that? I'm, I'm wondering about this. How much of that is testosterone as well? Because and that's one of the things about young men that they're finding is there's so much the the, the testosterone levels have dropped so much in men that the young men at 20 something are, are they're testing like 300 you know, and 250 at for their testosterone because there's so much soy and there's so many like genetically modified everything and the mm. pesticides and everything else like that. Um, because I only eat meat and meat is a, is a big driver of testosterone. And I do take su certain supplements that help with testosterone. I don't take TRT. I don't do te testosterone replacement surgery sure. or, or treatment. I'm, so I'm not taking testosterone. Um, but I take uh, DHEA, if you know what that is. I don't. Uh, DHEA, it's a, it's a testosterone adrenal support like um, uh, chemical compound, you can get it from Amazon. It's like twenty bucks for a bottle of a hundred or something like that. Okay, um, but that helps your testosterone along with the, the amount of meat and the, the way I work out. So you swing a an axe to work out every other day, right? And so I go to the gym every day to like pound my muscles to get them somewhat in shape, mm -hmm. you know. And so, uh, but so with the testosterone, my testosterone was way down before this diet. I mean, super far down. And so when you said waking up in the morning, I, I'm, I'm just being honest, dude. Like back in the day, let's say a year ago, I don't know that I woke up, you know, but maybe once or twice a week with a, with a stiffy, morning, you know, if you morning, would, okay. yeah. And then now, just because I've tested my testosterone, and it's, it's significantly so, higher. So what's yeah. normal? Uh, because I, I'll be I honest, for our age, like four to five hundred is normal. Okay, and I'm not a medical professional. So I haven't go check even that had out. mine checked. So right. I, I'm, you're you're making me you're making my gears turn right now. So that, I'm that, like, that's one of the questions I, I had. So. The, you know, it'd be good to at, see what this is real quick, according to age. So we're going to, we're going to pause this real quick and look on, look online. So give us a So I, I know that, I know that testosterone drops as you get older. And so, and, and also one of the things that we've been noticing is that because of the American diet and so many of us eat genetically modified everything and it's in every part of our food, every food chain. So the fact that you actually raise your own food, kill your own food and eat your own food, that's, you've got a head start above, above everybody else. I just went literally just just the carnivore seven months ago and have had dramatic results cutting plant. I have no plants in my diet. Did you know that? There's no vegetable. I never have a vegetable. 
I never have any kind of sugar, any kind of bread, any kind of wheat, nothing like that. Only meat. Okay, I, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah? So, well, ve- vegetables, <laughs> I'm a huge fruit and vegetable Are guy. you? Okay. I eat tons of fruit and vegetables, but okay. I eat a lot of meat too. So the, the, the reason we don't do that is because, so my wife is allergic to something in plants called os- oxalates. I don't know if you've heard this before. Okay. An oxalate is, every plant has this, and so whenever, you, whenever a plant is cut down, okay, or to be harvested, it releases something called oxalates. And oxalates are, or it's a, it's a defense mechanism for a plant, okay? Okay. And some plants have lots of oxalates in them, and those oxalates can cause inflammation in you. They can cause oh, interesting. dramatic, like, uh, if your body's allergic to it. And because of so many, because of the American diet and what we've, what we've eaten over these years and the severe amount of processed foods we have and everything else like that, uh, what ends up happening is those oxalates connect with some of the genetically modified things, and they have radical effects on the body and testosterone uh, depletion is actually one of them. Wow. One of the other things that happens is because of all the estrogen and soy that is all over in every single food. Most guys don't understand why they can't like, why their testosterone is, well, they're losing energy. Their you know, their right. sexual performance isn't what it was. All that, And a lot of that can be linked to, to, to testosterone. So when some of these guys go for TRT treatment, Okay, they go for testosterone treatment. Sure. They're like, well, you know, I, I can't get up anymore with my wife. I want to enjoy my marriage and 100%. And they get that. The doctor should be telling them, don't cut soy out of your diet because soy can really be damaging because it has Do so cut much. Soy it out. has so okay. much estrogen in it. You know, okay. so much estrogen in it. So, well, you're, you're bringing up, and an, uh, th- right. this is actually a good segue mm. uh, into, into uh, the, the various treatments for prostate right, cancer. Right, right. Uh, because. Uh, at, there is a point at which testosterone feeds prostate cancer. Oh, you, wow. And you don't want to have uh, high testosterone. But that, okay, so I, I have a family member who uh, waited too long, mm-hmm. had prostate cancer. By the time they found that stuff, the, the, the treatment that they ended up getting was a lot more radical than mine. Mm-hmm. Uh uh, they had an uh, an open what they call an open surgery. I had lapros- laparoscopic. Mm-hmm. They had open where they go basically cut from the belly button down to I, I think just a little bit above your junk, and and they open you up and and he had to have uh, the the prostate removed. If you have prostate cancer, the prostate has to come out. It's okay. It's yeah. Um, now there is a radiation treatment thing which I'll talk about in a minute, but anyways for this family member. Uh, the prostate was removed. The bladder, part of the bladder had to be sewn to some other organ or something like that. I'm not exactly sure why, but they okay. had they had to um, do something with the bladder. And he had to uh, he had to go on hormone hormone treatment where and th- now I don't it the the hormone treatments killed the testosterone mm. in this family member. Oh, wow. And he became a, a person who never in my life cried, started crying all the time, and started just... This a dude? This a dude? A guy? Well, yeah, we're talking about I mean, prostate okay, cancer. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, it's, just, it's just interesting well, because, yeah... I was interestingly thinking, yeah. enough, yeah. women okay. can get prostate cancer. Okay. It's it's there there 
now it's a totally it's it's pretty much a different thing. It's it's also a PSA thing, but it's extremely extremely rare for a woman to get prostate cancer, okay. and it's a pretty different thing. But I I just brought it up as kind of a nugget for people to know. Okay. But okay, so uh, he so had, he, got, he he was super emotional. Got super emotional. Um, strength from a. a, a, a I'm talking about my dad. I, I, okay. Uh, my, my dad won't care. Okay. Uh, my dad has been, everybody who's ever met my dad mm-hmm. has been at, at first impression afraid of my dad. He's a, he was always a beast, mm. inhumanly strong. Mm. And, and, uh, and my dad grew up on a farm mm. throwing bales yeah. all day long up on a that truck farm and boy stuff. strength. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, j- yeah. Just crazy strength and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, lost his strength. I mean, the the transition my dad went through was very dramatic, mm. and it freaked me out. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to go through that. Um, and especially at my age, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I'm 54, man. Yeah, dude. I'm still. I still feel. I still feel like 20, and I still act yeah. like I'm 20. I, you know, I. And, I know what you mean, dude. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. And so. 100%. Th- so that scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, uh, there's now he didn't have to get any sort of radiation treatment or anything. Mm-hmm. There's radiation treatment. Now, radiation treatment, and you can read some conflicting stuff online about this, but basically it's radiation, right? Okay. If it goes to the point it, where you're getting radiation, generally that's, uh, um, that's when the cancer has progressed significantly. Mm-hmm. And radiation basically melts your insides. Yeah. So I have another family member who ended up having to have radiation treatment, mm-hmm. permanently incontinent, mm. lots of other issues, and and God forbid uh, colon cancer comes up da- later on down the road or something. Those surgeries become much more problematic because of the radiation treatment because it's basically just nuked everything inside inside your body. Sure, sure. Um, so you don't want to have those. Now there is an external beam radiation EBR mm-hmm. that they can do early uh, if the if the cancer is still contained to the prostate. Okay. And early on in the cancer, they can do EBR. Um, my doctor didn't even give that an as, op- as an option. That was something I read online later on. Mm-hmm. But uh, in what I read about it, you, you, it's a focused beam. They're they're pretty much focusing it on the on the prostate from externally. They just point a think of it like getting an X ray or something, mm-hmm. uh, and they shoot this beam in you to to kill the cancer and stuff. But that beam still has to pass through other things to get to the prostate. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so you're you're doing crap to you to right. yourself. Right, right. Um, so the way my p- doctor put it is, uh, radiation is a last resort, mm-hmm. and you pretty much plan on having other issues later on in your life if you if sure. you go that route. Sure. So you don't want to have that. that um, so, so one of the questions I have though is why didn't your dad want to take testosterone or anything? You said because that that complicates it, or testosterone feeds prostate cancer. It does, and in my dad's case, it it had gotten out of the prostate, okay, and and it had started to spread, which is why he had to have a more invasive surgery. So here's my question then: so if testosterone feeds prostate cancer and it it, it feeds the prostate and maybe enlarges it, 
what about all the guys taking TRT right now and doing testosterone? Is that, I mean, are they putting themselves in danger probably for that? I mean, that's a, that's a big question. I mean, even that's, if, I don't have an answer for that, right, right. but yeah, that's to me, that's a huge, that's a huge issue, especially because TRT, you can order TRT online. I mean, you, I, I get, in Instagram, I see TRT. Oh, crap it's the easiest all the thing time. in the world to get. Yeah, you can get to, you can get testosterone anywhere, anytime. Every doctor will say yes, and they they prescribe it immediately. And you yeah. think of you think of a man's brain. Mm -hmm. Think a human brain. Mm -hmm. uh, if a guy starts having issues, or a guy wants to get big, or mm -hmm. or whatever, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A, guy, a guy just says, uh, "Give me a straight line between point A and point B," mm -hmm. and uh, never mind what that what that line crosses over mm -hmm. right yeah. i want to get big take testosterone whatever sure. I, I'm steroids the, gear yeah 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 and and you you pay for it there there are mm -hmm. no shortcuts to there anything isn't dude there is there no isn't. such thing as a yeah. shortcut yeah there isn't that's one of the things i'm worried about in particular uh, i have friends that take trt and everything else like that it's one of the things that i'm i'm concerned about particularly for young men because we know that young men particularly in the gym and i follow a lot of bodybuilders i follow a lot of I'm a gym rat, so I'm all I'm all the time looking at different things and and, and and studying guys. And everyone's real positive on the TRT stuff. I I don't know that this is the this is probably I don't know that I've heard before that that testosterone was ever linked to prostate cancer. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, what what what? Yeah, has well, anyone it, done a study it, on this? Because this is going to be this is going to affect a whole generation. Well, and of and it yeah. may, it may only be at a certain point. Uh, okay. You know, if for my dad, that's that's why they why he had to go on uh, hormone treatments because mm. they needed to bring his testosterone uh, down, testosterone right, down right. because his cancer was aggressive. Right. My right. dad had a really aggressive uh, form of prostate cancer, mm. which is I think why my genome test came back as as high risk and why I opted to just get the surgery and get it done. Well, we we know that guys, there's. I forget who said this. It was maybe Andrew Huberman or somebody else. They were talking about testosterone. How can you tell if somebody has extremely high, you know, testosterone without testing them? Ultimately, you can't. But there's something about men who have testosterone in and what they're more prone to. They're more prone to risky lifestyles. Mm. Uh, they're more prone to aggressiveness. They're more prone to, they, they want to, sports, being at the gym, all, all these things that are, you know, typically, or, or hack, hack and wood, providing for your family, all, all those kind of things that are, when you're higher in testosterone, there's things that you're more prone to. So one of the things that, that people often mistake is that, be, well, I, I, you know, I, I know, like that. I must have low testosterone. Well, I go to my doctor and now there's kickbacks for giving you testosterone. Everyone, everyone should know that. Mm. I mean, for all, the medical industry is unfortunately what it is. You know, there's kickbacks for that. So they're yep. more apt to prescribe you testosterone really quickly because one, that's a kickback to them and they're getting money for it. So it's all the, the medical industry. So, so I'm not, I guess the, the, I guess the statement I'm trying to make is I'm not anti-testosterone, especially if you need it and you've been prescribed and everything like that. I guess I'm anti like shortcut, like you were talking about, like that shortcut thing. I, I see so many guys going, you know what, man, I want to get big. I want to get ripped. I want to do all these kind of things. I want to do it in like three weeks. Why not just go ahead and do that? I'm like, you can, you can. And what you're saying is, and you can that pay could, the price. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You can play the price of incontinence later. I mean, can you imagine that? Imagine that you, you, you spent, you spent 10 years of your life on testosterone, kicking it and, and gearing up and everything else like that for the gym or for whatever else that we want to do in life. And then all of a sudden you are, laid up with cancer 
and you're having to get nuked or something like this. So uh, keep this in mind. First off, I want to make a disclaimer. We're not medical professionals, so we don't know everything about it, but you're talking to a man who's been through it, okay? And it's been who knows exactly what's going on with his body. So you're hearing his story. He's telling you, and by the way, Vic is one of the most honorable guys I know. There's there's nothing, there's nothing. Uh, what's the word, anecdotal or inflated about what he's saying. I mean, you're obviously just telling telling us your experience, which is great. So in that, so I would warn you if you're thinking about getting testosterone, definitely talk to your doctor and talk to about talk to him about the the connection that Vic just talked about. That's a huge thing. You don't want to you don't want all of a sudden just be taking taking a a supplement and not recognize that there's going to be things. I I've taken so many weightlifting supplements in my day. I mean, everything. Some things were really good, and they're, some things were really – here's the word. <laughs> What's Paul say? Everything's beneficial, not everything's – everything's profitable, not everything's beneficial. Yeah, so <laughs> – Everything so, is not profitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll say this. There's, there's, there's things that I did that they didn't know at the time were really, really dangerous. There was a – there, yep. there was a uh, – a supplement called Rip Fuel, which was a uh, it was it was a ephedra uh, chemical compound mixed with uh, white willow bark and something else. So what that did to the human body was hypermetabolized it. Well, what that does to your heart is it hyper stresses it. Mm. And so there were major league baseball players that actually died because they were on it. Heart attacks. So man. yeah, heart attacks like crazy. So uh, when I was young, I dropped eighty pounds before my wedding in three months because of this supplement. Ooh, I mean, just I mean, it was I went to I went to get fitted seven times for my tux, and the seventh time, oh my goodness, yeah, the guy went back. He says, "Don't come back till like a week before your wedding. You're just <laughs> dropping weight too much, you know." So, um, and everyone thinks that there won't be any side effects. Well, later on, I end up getting an echocardiogram, where the doc literally asked me, he "Goes so you've you you've played football, weight lifted, power lifted all your life?" Yeah, I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, your heart had the stress on that." Did you take anything? I'm like, yeah, I used to take May Hung and Rip Fuel. He's like, yep, I can see it. Yep. Absolutely. So there's ways that you can counteract that later on in life by diet and exercise and everything else like that. But that's one of those things that don't think that you're ever going to get a shortcut in life without paying a price somewhere. You always do. And I think Vic's just warning us about that. Yeah. And I, I really have to, I really have to, I, I'm telling you, if, man, if I could, if I could take my last 25 years mm. and put it in some sort of short form, shortcut for people to understand. My, the last 25 years of my life is absolute evidentiary proof that God exists mm. and that God takes care of his own. Mm. And, and I bring that up because I've always been, I've never been uh, like a tree hugger or anything like this, but I've sure. always been health conscious. Sure. I've always been very active. Mm -hmm. um, I'm by nature very aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, just in, I, I listen to really heavy music. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, I, I'm a drummer. I shred mm -hmm. the heck out of my drums um, and that sort of thing. So, so I, I don't need anything that's going to promote more of that because sure, I, sure. I'd, I'd be one of those freaking uh, roid rage guys or something probably. Yeah, yeah. But um uh, but anyways, I, uh, I, I think my history of that mm -hmm. had a big part to do with my overall recovery. Because mm. like I said, I'm only six weeks out from my surgery and mm -hmm. I'm almost 100% continent again. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's, that's incredible. That's amazing, dude. That but, really is amazing. But um, uh, so, uh, so talking about the, the recovery stuff, real quick uh i talked about the hospital stay the catheter uh, the cath catheter sucks but it's it's something you got to do and mm -hmm. and i from experience would promote 
wearing it the longer period of time, having it the longer period of time. Mm -hmm. it, is kind of, it is pretty nice, I'll say, not getting up at all at night. Now, during that time, there, I did wake up at night a, a few times mm -hmm. and felt like I had to use the bathroom, mm -hmm. but, but, but I couldn't do anything because I have a catheter and stuff. And, right, and right. It, it was usually just kind of a, a brief sensation that, oh, my bladder feels full, and then there was nothing. Okay. And then, uh, so th there, there was, there was something about, uh, you know, only having to empty my bag mm. a couple times a day or something that was kind of freeing, like, Hey, this is kind of nice, man. I, but, uh, but overall the, by the end of it, it sucked in and, uh, catheter removal. I got to talk about that real quick. Let's get it, dude. Uh, so I don't know how old the girl was that I, I went in to see my doctor after my surgery and, mm -hmm. and stuff and, and, uh, he said, uh, he, he went over some stuff and he said, okay, um, uh, you have any questions? And I said, well, yeah, I've got a list of questions, but let's get this thing out of me first because I, I, at that point I was just ready to have it out. I, I, mm -hmm. I hated it. He said, oh, no, I don't do that. One of the nurses comes in, so let's get your questions out of the way. So this young girl, I don't know, 22 years old or something, comes in and a, a catheter messes with your junk. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I won't go into detail, but... Oh, no way, dude. You have to tell the details. Everybody <laughs> is listening right now for this point to find out what the details of what it's like. Okay. Yeah, so what does it do? Well, okay, so, so the surgery... Okay, yeah. The surgery caused swelling. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Guys are like, okay, that sounds great. You know, well, it caused swelling of, <laughs> yeah. of the sack. Oh, okay, okay. So, so, so your balls get big. I, I, okay, I yeah. looked like I had a speed bag between my legs, man. It was... <laughs> It was my okay. my junk was huge, or my 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 balls yeah, were balls huge, are, yeah. and it it was it kind of freaked me out. I was sure, like, yeah, this is too big, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the opposite happened with my penis. Oh, it shrinks down a little bit. Huh? I never, I've never seen my penis in that state. Okay, okay. It, so, yeah. it, it was tiny and it was embarrassing. Okay, and so I had to go in with this. Now I yeah. I asked my wife to come in with me. Uh -huh. I said, look. Um, I need you there with me. I, I need the course, moral yeah. support and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and it it in the discussion with the girl, it, mm -hmm. it quickly became apparent to me that through this whole process, the girl's going to be right there and she's going to be doing this and yeah. everything. And I was like, yeah, oh, this sucks. But so I wanted my wife in there. Mm -hmm. Um, a, a number of people told me that uh, getting the catheter removed hurts. Okay. And I was also told that the first few times you pee afterwards is like piss and fire. Uh, it, it's a number of guys said that the first time you pee afterwards, it's going to suck. It's going to burn like crazy. Okay. Like you got soap in your penis or like it was worse than that. You ever get, you ever I, get soap in your, in your junk and you're I, like, yeah, I've yeah, had, yeah, okay. I no, yeah, you get soap in your, like, yeah, you wash around, you get soap in your penis. The, hole the and you're impression like, oh, I yeah. had was it's way worse than that. Oh my gosh. It, it's like f absolute fire coming out. Oh, okay. That being said, and I, I, I take the, I, I, I contribute this to the amount of water that I drink naturally anyways, and the health of my body. Sure. Uh, the catheter removal didn't hurt at all. It felt weird. There's no way to explain how it feels, but it feels really weird coming out. It comes out in a second. They, they just they tell you, take a deep breath in, let it out. And as you're letting it out, wham, they pull it out. Uh, there's, a, there's a bulb that 
blows up uh-huh. and, and holds it up there. And then, and you can feel that bulb deflate like a split microsecond just before they pull the thing out. So it's like, wham, wham, and it's out. Dude. But it just feels freaky. It's but no pain whatsoever. I didn't okay. have, and then I had no burning at all when I peed. I had no problems peeing or anything. So I I I, uh, I dodged a bullet on that, I guess, uh, based on what all all the guys told me. But uh, I had no issues. Um, this is incredible information, dude. You can't pay to get this on YouTube. Just so you guys know, keep going, <laughs> keep going. This is incredible. Okay, uh, the surgery, uh, laparoscopic surgery. This is amazing. You can watch videos of, of uh, computer animated videos of how this surgery takes place. Mm-hmm. But basically, I, have, I had six incisions. Mm-hmm. Four lateral, uh, two on this side, two on this side. Mm-hmm. That's for the Da Vinci robot to go in. Uh, and and th- this robot has these tiny little arms that goes in. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then they did one from my belly button uh, uh, about two inches above my belly button, down to my belly button. Okay, and that's a vertical one. Sure. And then up, up here a little bit. They did a little tiny one that was maybe half an inch. Okay. Uh, I think that one was for the camera. Mm-hmm. The the other four are for the uh, the robot. Uh, the doctor said he has two left hands with the robot. This robot's pretty cool because he's the doctor's sitting over here. I'm on the table, and every movement he does gets translated into a microscopic movement at the robot arms. Oh, wow. Okay, so he's, he's moving these things around, and, and they're doing very, very microscopic movements and stuff, and he has complete... It's amazing. you got to go watch one of these videos. Okay, okay. Uh, it's pretty in, impressive. But, um, but they pump your abdomen full of air so that they can get in there and, and they can do work and, and move, move things out of the way and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that filling of the air in my abdomen mm-hmm. has caused, um, well, plus the surgery, uh, in my lower abdomen, I have some, some minor pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, like in the morning when I stretch back like this, I feel it. Or if I lift something out in front of me, I, I can feel it and it, it kind of hurts. Mm-hmm. It's not bad or anything, but, um, you know, just a side effect. But, uh, but they, so they go in and there's, there's a bundle of nerves on either side. Now, I got to talk about this. There's a bundle of nerves on either side of your prostate, and those nerves are what cause an erection. They're what what stimulate an erection. Okay. Okay. Uh, they cut those nerves away, and they kind of peel them out of the way, and then they uh, they slice up this. I can't remember what it's called, but there's this flap basically that lays over the prostate and over uh, partially over your uh, bladder. They slice that down. They open it up, and then they cut the prostate away, and then they pull the prostate out. Uh, my impression is that they pull the prostate out whole, and um, uh, and then they reattach those nerves. Now, depending on if the cancer has spread. Depend uh, or determines how much um, how, how much shaving away they have to do okay. of other tissue, nerves, that sort of thing. Sure. Okay. Um, if they have to, if they have to shave into those nerves, well, now you're looking at at uh, well, he says 100 percent of the time your erections are never the same after the surgery. Uh, but if you catch it catch it early enough, and the cancer has not gone outside of the prostate. Then, then they have minimal uh, 
shaving away that they have to do. They okay. can just sort of pull those um, nerves away, mm -hmm. and then they reattach those nerves afterwards. Okay. We're talking about a tiny, tiny little nerves and blood vessels and stuff, uh, uh, little blood veins and everything, that the doctor literally, he clips each one and kind of peels this thing away. Think of that, 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 that we've gotten to a point where we can do that. Yeah, it's, it's and pretty amazing. And then reattach dude. it, man. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. amazing. So is the recovery time, so you said six, week is, six weeks is a recovery time for everything. You're getting, you're, you said it's not, the, it's not the same for like a year. It takes a year to recover ultimately, correct? That's what they were saying to you? Uh, well, no. Uh, so I'm my the end of my recovery, mm -hmm. so far as having being able to start doing activities again, mm -hmm. uh, was last Wednesday. Six six weeks after. Um, now for the erection, so I, I guess we'll segue into that now. Um, today, the fun, the fun part. Yeah, yeah. So today I went in mm -hmm. uh, and saw my doctor, uh, and we just talked about. He asked me, uh, "Okay, have have you started having erections?" And I said, "No." And uh, okay, so at the six week point, they get you on Viagra or Cialis, okay, or the generic brand, whatever. Sure. Now that it's not necessarily just to help you start getting hard ons again. Mm -hmm. um, it's to stimulate blood flow. Yeah. Because blood yeah. flow heals. Bro, I'm, can I tell you something about Viagra? Let's go. There's there's buddies of mine that use it for the gym. For the gym. For the gym. Because it because it stimulates blood flow all over the place. The pump that you get from Viagra is unbelievable, they say. Really? Yeah, it's like a big pump. I, they're, they're using it not for not for the sexual stuff. They're using it for the gym. Just to pump blood yeah, the, through the... To, yeah, because it, it, you know how Viagra was, was invented, right? I do not. This, this, it's a great story. It's a really good story. And in fact, the same some of the same ingredients in Viagra are in a lot of pre-workouts. So, okay. the, so if they're you've seen you've heard of pre-workouts before, where guys will take this like high caffeinated kind of stuff before the gym. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I used to take it all the time. Uh, you take it out just before you work out. You, right, you, right. Okay. Forty-five minutes before you work out, okay. and then it, it it hits like a rocket. It really does. It really changes your workout. Um, but I will say there's risks involved with that. Uh, one of the uh, side benefits I'm literally sitting down with a friend of mine uh, who's a doctor, okay. and I'm telling him I'm using these pre-workouts, and he goes, "You got to be careful with that." And I said. Can I tell you something though? When I use these pre workouts, I'm like, I'm, I'm a little horny. I, I, I get I get home from the gym and I just look at the wife a little different. Hey, like, what, what are you doing, sweetheart? Why don't you take a break? And I, so, as a, as a result, he was like, was he, he told me he says, well, some of the things that are in you know Viagra are actually in pre workouts. Some some of the same chemicals. I'm like, really? Okay. Then he explained to me how they found out what Viagra was. They were treating what what Viagra does is actually encourages blood circulation to the point so it lowers blood pressure because when your body can't circulate blood it, it, it gets higher blood pressure it takes it's longer to pump yep, yep. your pump your heart your heart's pumping harder what viagra does is lowers the blood pressure and how they found this out man just so you know this, this is kind of crazy uh they were testing it in nursing homes with older people okay then all of a sudden these dudes are starting to like get jiggy with all the girls and they're like what is going on and these guys are like i don't know what's going on it's the blue pill you gave me it's Sorry, I feel like I'm 20 again, you know, and and, wow. and and that's what happened. They started finding this out. So, and you can backtrack and look at all the history and everything. I'm sure there's more, you know, medically induced things than that. But that's one of the that's one of the benefits. They originally released it for blood pressure, for but the lower blood pressure because it does lower your blood pressure because it encourages all the circ circulation. But that makes sense. And it, and it, the constriction and and uh, contraction of uh, vascular, you know, cells and everything else like that. So it's kind of crazy. 
Okay, so we're getting into deep territory. There's there's some more stuff to cover here. With I can't with, wait, dude. This is this is the most transparent podcast <laughs> I've ever had. Let's go. Okay, so as uh, part okay, so the prostate, the prostate produces forty percent of ejaculate. Oh, the rest of the sixty, the other sixty percent mm-hmm. is is uh, produced by what they call. Um, Seminal, seminal vessels, or I can't remember the ves, vescules. Or, I can't remember the word, but uh, okay, the, the sure. seminal tubes is is the way I understood okay. it. That's not a doctor term or anything. So but, the prostate plays a part in sex, obviously. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, absolutely. So so sixty percent comes from these seminal deals, and then forty mm-hmm. percent from your prostate. Okay. When they take your prostate out, they have to take those seminal things out. Oh. The the uh, side effect, if you will of that mm-hmm. is a man can still have an orgasm mm-hmm. can have the sensation of an orgasm mm-hmm. but you are literally shooting blanks nothing comes out so no semen comes out that, nothing comes out really you you have uh, now i haven't experienced it yet myself sure but, sure sure but uh but yeah the the research I did is they, they call it uh, dry orgasms. Oh, that's uh, crazy. So, okay. so you still have you still have the fun, mm-hmm. but no mess. <laughs> Basically, see how you, guys, how you guys watch sexual stuff on Hollywood, and you think it's no mess or anything like that. These people have sex, and there's a there's a reason they change the sheets. By the way, yeah, there's a reason yeah. they change the sheets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Reg- regular married folk change sheets, just so you know. <laughs> but so here's here's the interesting thing about. Um, uh, about Viagra or Cialis and uh, th- these um, uh, blood flow stimulators, mm-hmm. th- those um, those nerves that mm-hmm. I those bundles of nerves. Mm-hmm. What what Viagra does is it it um, it rea- it uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It reacts to the stimulation. Mm-hmm. So those vessels cause the stimulation. You 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 get horny mm-hmm. and you want to have sex. And the Viagra basically uh, t- triggers off of that mm-hmm. and causes the blood uh, vessels to open up so that you, so that you get a hard on. Okay. Okay. It's dependent on those vessels working or those uh, yeah those those bundles of nerves working mm-hmm. and uh, and it it takes its cue from those. Okay. If the Nerves are no longer working. Viagra and Cialis won't do anything for you anymore mm. because there's nothing there. At that point, this part this part kind of sucks. I, at that point, you can do injections in your penis. And uh, in, now, in in two months, I my next my next um, appointment with my doctor. Mm-hmm. So I got I got on Cialis today. Okay. Took my first one on the way over here. Basically, I, I'll take it. For Cialis works. From what I understand, Viagra is like a fifteen-minute pill. Cialis is like a it, you take it whenever, and then it'll be ready for you whenever. The right? the pharmacist told me that they're good for uh, seventy-two hours. So now and now it makes sense I, because he was saying seventy-two hours, and I was like, well, I I thought I thought the same thing. You, yeah, you, yeah. you take the pill a little bit, mm-hmm. a few minutes later, you get a, a boner or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. But it's based on stimulation from those uh, nerve endings. Those nerve endings have to be active and alive and stuff. Okay. So if they are active and alive and stuff, 
and in my case with Cialis, he said mm-hmm. it's 72 hours later. Well, mm-hmm. you know, maybe tomorrow I go home and, and uh, I decide, hey, baby, let's it's, uh, it's go time. Let's, yeah. let's go. go. Time. Yeah. My nerve, my nerves start working. Mm-hmm. They start telling the Cialis, hey, it's time to get this thing, this show on the road. And things kick into gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but in two months, uh, and, and we did it as a preemptive thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 I, may, I may not need it, but he said in two months, we'll, we'll set you up for injection lessons where a nurse shows me how to inject my penis and get a hard on. Now, the injections are, n- are not dependent on those nerves. Basically, what the injections do is they bypass all that. You, you put it right into your penis, and, and it, it, it chemically tells your blood vessels, open up, let's go. Wow. And within five, within five minutes, you've got a, a hard on. Um, now, there's a good, there's good chance I won't even need that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now he said, and, I, and I, I, I had told my wife beforehand, this whole injection thing, uh-uh, I'm not down for this. I'm not sure. putting a needle in, in, in Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but when I was talking to the doctor, he said, you know, in Europe, they promote getting, the, they promote getting on the injections sooner rather than later. Okay, mm-hmm. why? He said, well, uh, getting a hard-on has a, a side effect or side benefit mm-hmm. of keeping your penis healthy. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's, it keeps your penis healthy. It also mm-hmm. keeps your penis of size. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if, if you're not getting hard-ons, your penis will start shrinking, Ooh. which is why they promote getting on these injections soon, sooner rather than later so that you keep your penis. Because he said what can happen if you don't start getting hard-ons is you might notice your junk starts shrinking. And I was like, okay, now we've crossed into different territory. Right. I'm still a man. I'm yeah. still a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't want to see Charlie shrink or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so I, I so said, you've, okay. You've named your junk and you actually, <laughs> yeah, he's Charlie. Okay, so now now you're sharing what the name is. That's good. That's I mean, the most transparent podcast in cigar history. Just so understand. I'm sorry. And I, I, That's good. No, dude, I'm, to, I'm all about it, bro. To, Go. I'm good, man. I'm, uh, 20 years yeah. My my grandkids are going to see this online and, and think <laughs> I might be embarrassed or whatever. But listen, I how long I, you been, how long you been married? I have been uh, I my wife and I will celebrate. Let's see, we I will be twenty nine years in July. I'll, you'll you'll beat me by a month. I'll be twenty nine in August. Oh wow! Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll be twenty nine in August. So you got married ninety five then, July ninety five. Yeah. What what day? Um. Uh, J- uh, July sixth. No, July fifth. R- right after. Are July you serious? 4th. Yeah. My birthday is July fifth. Really? I kid you not, man. Wow. I kid you not. And I got married August fifth. August fifth of uh, ninety five. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's crazy, man. That's crazy. That's great. So yeah, I and I. I mean, I can report back later on on what mm-hmm. the injections are like if I have to do that. Yeah. It, it hasn't really set in, which is why I think I'm willing to talk about it right sure, now. Sure, 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 yeah. But, and uh, we really appreciate it. I don't know if you guys know this at home. This is this is probably the most transparent podcast what we've ever done here on Cut Light and Smoke. And so we're smoking great cigars. And by the way, this I'll take a moment and just say, 
This cigar is absolutely fantastic. If you get a chance to try this cigar from Crown Head, what's what cigar? How do you say it again? Lavareda. Lavareda. If you get a chance to try the Lavareda by Crown Heads, it is one of the best cigars that they have. Very sweet, very spicy, uh, great Nicaragua tobacco in there. It's super premium. It really is. I have to be honest. Th- this is probably my second favorite uh, cigar, period. Um, but... If, my first favorite is also a Crown Head cigar, but it's a, a, a cigar that's no longer around. It, okay. it was a limited edition. Mm-hmm. I, I have a few more at home, mm. and I'm, I'm holding on to those things. But, um, uh, but yeah, this I absolutely love this cigar. And I'm super happy to have discovered the 56. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know if I said it on the show, but um, I've had the, the 50, the 52, and the 56. John says his favorite is the 54. Okay. I noticed a huge difference between this and the smaller two sizes. Okay. I mean, it, to me, it was a totally different cigar, and, and I, I absolutely love this thing. It's good, man. It's very good. There's no doubt about that. It's a very good, it's a very good cigar. The, uh, so so as, as we're talking about this, and, and you're, getting, you're, you're getting on Cialis now, and you're getting on to everything else like that, what are your expectations for everything returning back to normal? I mean, do you do you feel good about it? Do you feel like, hey man, it's it's you know, I went through it, I did everything right, and now I'm ready to get back on the horse and ride. So, I mean, what's your I've what's always your been I've always been a very healthy guy, mm-hmm. taking care of myself, mm-hmm. and um, I mean, if if my recovery so far is any indicator, I really don't have any reason uh, to think that I won't fully recover in that way. Sure. Now, the doctor did say. That your erections, at best, at very best, your erections uh, at some point after the surgery may return to normal, mm-hmm. but generally uh, your erections are never the never the same. I don't okay. know what that means. He, uh, mm-hmm. You know, because he, he said based on these shots and stuff, he was talking about fifty percent, eighty percent, hundred percent, whatever. Mm-hmm. My doctor's in there going like this with his finger and stuff, and. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's get up here, man. Yeah, let's, get, let's do the thousand percent doc. Let's do that. Let's do that one, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you know, I'm I, I, st- I still want to be intimate with my wife. Of course, yes. And uh, mm-hmm. and everything. Now, there is there is a weird emotional thing to all of this that I can't even articulate, mm. but it's it's. There, I, I haven't had, you know, when I, the couple times that I noticed I couldn't perform with my wife and mm-hmm. stuff, um, you know, like I said, it, it was shortly before I found out I had cancer and stuff, and so when I found out I had cancer, I said, okay, well, that must be, that must have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I haven't felt horny per se. Mm-hmm. Um, in quite a while, I I, mm. I can't really remember the last time I really felt horny, mm. uh, but in my mind, it's more related to all the stuff we were going through. Sure, you know, sure, along yeah, along yeah. with my wife's cancer, which mm-hmm. was really taxing uh, right. on us and everything. Right, we were also going through a major uh, renovation, remodeling at our house mm-hmm. that just was all kinds of. We ran into all kinds of issues with that and stuff, and then her surgery, and then. Uh, at, at at the end of her, um, uh, toward the end of her chemo treatments, uh, I almost lost my wife. She ended mm. up getting, uh, she ended up getting um, 
pneumonia real bad mm. and was in the emergency room for seven days. Mm. I slept in an emergency room with her for seven days, and, and literally we, I almost lost her. Mm. And um, so all of that stuff, I feel like I just had too much life going on that mm-hmm. didn't really have time to think about it and stuff. But, you know, now we're on the back end of all this stuff, and, and the first thing on my mind is, Lord, when can I get intimate with my wife again? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so I'm counting on God uh, pulling pulling me through on this. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Well, this this has been one of the most transparent things I've ever heard in my entire life, and one of the most <laughs> beneficial things I've ever heard in my entire life. What would be your advice to guys that are be watching this right now or listening at home? You know, given the the, the final the final Vic High Desert man, this is what you this this is what you guys should do with this information. Go. Participate in your own survival. Mm. If you're if you're 45, 50 years old and stuff, go in, get the get the uh, get the regular blood work, get the finger up the butt. Mm-hmm. Don't be uh, don't be uh, self conscious about this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a thing. Every mm-hmm. guy's gonna go through it. You're getting, you're going to it, you just gotta uh, suck it up and, and do it. Mm. And I I think for uh, maybe for a lot of guys. Um, you got to get over the hump of, oh, this thing is happening to me, mm-hmm. and I don't want this thing to happen to me. Okay, well, it's happened. Are, are you going to sit there in, in a corner and suck your thumb, or are you going to just take care of it? Right, right, and, right. And for me, it was, uh, you know, let's take care of this, Doc. Let's uh, go in for surgery. Let's get it out of the way and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, uh, I, I think in all these things, um, what uh, – your emotional state or, or the way you go into it mm-hmm. probably has 90% to do with the overall outcome. Sure. Go into it sure. with positive thinking, and and, I, and I'm not one of these positive energy guys or, or whatever. <laughs> I think that's all bull crap. But, it is. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, th- that whole, all of that <laughs> stems from being sec- secure. Uh, in, in my case, I'm going to promote the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, uh, God... Uh, created us. God created us to, uh, and th- th- these things that happen to us, mm. it's because we live in a fallen world. Yes. These things happen because of yes. man's sin originally. 100%. So uh, if if you're promiscuous, knock that crap off. Mm-hmm. Uh, st- stop with the premarital sex and stuff. And listen, Preach. Preach, th- bro. This, is, this is something, um, this whole hookup culture, th- this is something I just learned mm. that, 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 um, substantiated something I learned many years ago mm. uh, from a youth pastor. Mm. Um, I was going to youth, uh, uh, young adult uh, young adult classes, mm-hmm. and we, one week, or a, we spent a few weeks talking about uh, s- sexual stuff and, and, and mm-hmm. sex and masturbation, the whole bit. And um, uh, I, I don't remember exactly how he put it, but basically the, the way this pastor put it was that every time you have sex with someone, you are spiritually bonding with that person. 100%. And when mm-hmm. when you spiritually bond with multiple people, now listen, it's it sex is not just sex. You you have sex with someone and I and I think part of the proof of this, the anecdotal uh, evidence we have as men mm-hmm. is that women tend to uh, Tend to get more sort of sort of attached, right? Mm-hmm. You have sex with a woman, and, and she kind of becomes attached and stuff. And some guys might be like, uh, "Okay, uh, attachment happens for a reason." Okay, mm-hmm. so so there's a spiritual tearing mm-hmm. 
when uh, when people are outside of marriage mm-hmm. and doing that. Now, here's what I learned recently that substantiated that. When you have sex, there is a, a, a chemical, a, a hormone released called oxytocin. Oxytocin is known uh, by layman's terms as the love drug or the love hormone. Mm-hmm. And its purpose, it's, it's released, it can be released during other things, but primarily it's released during sex. Mm-hmm. And it is, a, it is a bonding chemical. It is the chemical that causes that bond, okay? So here's what I always say to, to, to freaking people who want to... Uh, Debate about this, yeah. Well, uh, the people who want to put science over here and, mm-hmm. and God over here or whatever, right. science gives us how. Science doesn't give us why. Mm. Science never answers why. Mm. Okay? Science always gives us a how. And I always say it like this. Preach. God gave us science so that we could we can understand how God put things into action. We can uh, we can understand uh, different things in nature and everything. Doesn't explain the why. Why do I have this why does this bond happen? Mm. Well, chem- scientifically we say, well, you know, your body releases this hormone oxytocin and and we call it the love hormone and and its purpose is to cause this emotional bonding with people and stuff well the why is because god intended sex within the confines and within the institution of marriage it's between my wife and me mm-hmm. and and you go outside of that and start screwing screwing with it and i heard a podcast from uh, um steve-o from the jackass from yeah, the jackass yeah, yeah, days yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve O was talking about um, uh, he was addicted to pornography, mm-hmm. and he uh, he realized it became a pro- it was becoming a real problem when he started having problems being able to actually perform with women. He said, "I, I couldn't I couldn't perform with women," mm. and it started becoming an issue. Now I don't I don't know what he did uh, if he just contributed to the porn or whatever. I I don't mm-hmm. know, but. All of the to me, all of this sounds like yeah, guys. Let's, let's uh, call it what it is. You're living in sin. Mm-hmm. You're living outside of God's design. God's design was for a man and a woman to be intimate because, uh, because it is all of that. All of that is a um, God gave us relationship and marriage as as a um, to exemplify what relationship with Christ is like mm-hmm. that doesn't mean relationship is is like sex with Christ and so mm-hmm. some perverted jerk out there is going to mm-hmm. uh, go in, into the gutter with that mm-hmm. it's it the intimacy the bond is is what Jesus gave us an example of this is what relationship with me is like mm-hmm. what what life is like what what uh, you know I'm not putting it in, in very good words. Well, the, the Hebrew the Hebrews called it the ikad, which is the one flesh. The Hebrews exactly. called it, yeah, it called one flesh. The two become the, one. The, the two become one, and when that's done in the confines of marriage, it's it's the optimal and the net positive for all of culture. And so I, God knew that ahead of time when he when he laid down his law knowing that how God wants human flourishing and prospering more than anything else. He really does. And so if you want it, his, if, if you, if you want to experience the best 
sexual experience, the best everything like it, do it God's way, and you won't be, I'm, I'm telling you what, from a guy who's done it God's way, I have no regrets whatsoever and nothing but blessing. Historically? Yeah. yeah. Statistically? Yes. Culturally? Yeah. <laughs> All through history, right. the best cultures have ever done mm-hmm. is when they're practicing what God designed. 100%. Is every time culture has gone